Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name's Adam. And my name is Jeremy. We're here to discuss Uncanny X-Men number 199, the November 1985 issue on sale, August 6th of 1985. It's cover price of 65 cents. This one's titled The Spiral Path. Oh, man. Oh, man, indeed. This one's for you lovers. <laughs> this one goes out to all the lovers tonight. Snuggle up, it's going to be cold, right? Or cozy. <laughs> this is, in fact, the Uncanny X-Men number 199, and on the cover of it, you have young Rachel Summers exploding in a giant phoenix effect, phoenix force effect, and she's got like a, I don't know, a, a phoenix one-piece swimsuit on yeah with a phoenix head covering up her cleavage and it says born again does this mean that the phoenix is back i would imagine that the x-men have gone to space in this issue and uh the phoenix found rachel because uh well you know it probably left when when uh, dark phoenix died on the moon and so it saw Rachel and was like, oh, there's Jean again, and then infected it with Phoenix. That's my guess. Why is she all red? Um, is she the devil? She's, she is the devil, Phoenix. She's also got those stripey things on her head. Well, you would assume that at this point, Chris Claremont knows the whole, about all the shenanigans that are about to happen with former Phoenix. Boy, that's a really good question. Do you think at, they must, right? This is issue 199, and we're two months away from x-factor so whatever original story he was planning to do he's probably like what am i gonna do (laughs) (laughs) crap (laughs) i better address this whole phoenix thing they've taken everything from me but uh yeah i don't know good cover it's all right (laughs) it's all right Make a good t-shirt. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of the bar that we've set. But it'd have to be one of those t-shirts that's like a wraparound. So like the whole, all the sleeves and stuff have like the flames going on. They continue from the Phoenix Force. If that shirt existed, I would totally wear it. I probably wouldn't. (laughs) Really? I get very embarrassed easily about such things. But you don't get embarrassed talking like the way you're talking? What do you mean? I am kind of embarrassed for you. (laughs) I don't understand. This is my natural voice, Jeremy. Oh, and the other 213 episodes has all been your fake voice, your your podcast radio voice? No, it's just been like this as well. You never noticed? (laughs) I see. Do I sound different? (laughs) All this time I've been hearing something different than what actually exists. I was really hoping you wouldn't say anything at all and I could just do this for the whole episode. <laughs> I don't know. I... It'd be like the one-off episode where I just have a completely strange voice for no reason. And then we go back to our regular, regularly scheduled podcast and we yeah. never address it. Sorry, man. You blew it. I, we should have planned that a little bit better. <laughs> so, yeah, let's let's open this thing up. Uh, it is written by Chris Claremont. John Romita Jr. and Dan Green are the artists. We got two letterers. We got Orz and Parker. Orz and Kowski. Orz and Kowski. Yeah, I don't know what, who Parker is. Matt and Trey Parker. I believe they did have a, a stint. As a letterer in uh, X-Men comics? Yeah. It's yeah. no no joke. Yeah. <laughs> uh, excuse me. Glynis Oliver is the colorist. Anna Senti is the editor. And 
Jaime Choutier is the editor-in-chief. Is that a thing? Like, we're like changing his name every episode? Well, I don't know about every episode, but you know, I've got to mix it up every now and again. Okay. B- besides, I don't know that I've ever called him anything but Jaime Choutier. I've always oh. called him Jaime Choutier. You just never noticed. Okay. <laughs> you heard something else. I might have to go back into my voice for that. <laughs> Good. Because in the danger room, we get a familiar person. It's Cyclops, who is shooting up things in the danger room. Where do we leave off last with Cyclops? Is he... Um, I don't, who's like, the Cyclops person? He, he was... Uh, I'm ignoring you. He was, uh, <laughs> he was with Madeline. They were in bed, and he was like, I got to go help the professor. He needs me. That's, that's it. Yeah, you, you just summarized it. Well, so, so like, did the professor call him? He's uh, like, hey, Cyclops, I need you. X-Men business. I think Moira called him. Or that makes more sense. Moria called him. <laughs> Mariah? Mariah called him. Yes. Uh Mariah McCarry. <laughs> yeah, uh yeah, that's probably what happened. So anyway, he's he's in the danger room and uh up in the control booth both Moira McTaggart and Lagan are very impressed that his skills have not uh, eroded while he has spent time in holy blissful matrimony we get a, a caption that has kind of a backstory of of cyclops i mean we know all that i'm just it's interesting that like they're reintroducing cyclops but i guess everybody every issue is somebody's first yeah and cyclops really hasn't been a part of the x-men for quite a while so if you maybe you've been a collector for a year and you've seen this guy and you're like who is this guy and now you're seeing him in full action now you know, oh, he's an orphan guy. Okay. Well, wow, he's got a backstory. Crazy. Somebody thought him out. And uh, they're about to shut down the training sequence when Cyclops like, no need, Dr. McTaggart. Remember my spatial awareness? And he, I can do that myself. He does a crazy ricochet zap shot and turns the danger room off. I find this panel simultaneously awesome and annoying. Why? Because uh, I feel like... This is this is douchey side of Cyclops where he's just like a showboat. I, I don't yeah, know. It's, it just feels it just feels kind of like a douche move. To me it's it's a callback to the old, you know, him shooting a game pool or, you know, all the other things that he did. But I also think that it's really cool. I mean, the fact that he has this kind of control is is super cool. I just I don't know. I like the fact that when he hits the little space uh probe, it goes zork. Yeah. I, I used to love Zork. Yeah, who who didn't like Zork? People born after 1985. That's true. They're probably like, what's this Zork thing? It sounds interesting. And then you sit them down in front of a computer, and they're like, I'm not playing this. Where are the graphics, man? I got to type what, and it tells me what? Well, you'll have to get Zork Zero for the graphics. I never played Zork Zero. It has very basic graphics. They're, there's a, like a very uh, minimal map-making kind of well, functionality to it. But it otherwise is exactly the same as every other Zork. Wolverine applauds uh, Cyclops's control and, and says, Remind me never to face you over a game of pool. Well, he also says, Very, very nice, which is not a Wolverine thing to say. That's true. I mean, Wolverine's growing a little bit, I guess. Um, clap, clap. Praise indeed, Wolverine. Run the cleanup program, will you, please, Moira, to tidy this mess I've made? <laughs> I'm such a cool cat. Uh, and he's going to go upstairs and towel himself off. But apparently, young Rachel has asked for a little bit of Cyclops' time. But Cyclops 
forgot about this. What a dick. And has to attend to something else. Well, Moira says, uh, can I wait, Rachel? Um, I've, this is, this is important X-Men business. Yeah. Um, so the question I have is, does Moira or, I mean, Wolverine knows that Cyclops is Rachel's father. I think they all know. I would think so. I mean, based on that outbreak that happened in X-Men 188 or whatever it was, Wolverine definitely knows. And you would think that somebody would have said something to Moira. So really, when she says, this is very important X-Men business, shouldn't she be like, oh, man, we got some serious X-Men business, but I bet you Rachel wants to talk to her dad about the whole dad thing. She's had someone, so much opportunities. She's never going to talk about it. I don't, she really hasn't had that many opportunities, though. I mean, they had the X-Men Alpha Flight thing, and then Cyclops was off. I mean, this yeah, is, they, were, they were together by themselves for like four hours. Well, yeah, but I guess. So Rachel reads in Cyclops' thoughts that Cyclops is afraid, or scared, rather. Uh, and she, in a very pouty uh, face here, says, Well, mister, so am I! I like her use of the word mister, because that's something that Cyclops would say. Yes, and as she is his daughter, it would stand to reason that she would pick up on some of those phrases as she was growing up. But when she says, like, I can see you're scared, is it because maybe she thinks deep down Cyclops knows what's up? He's gotta. You think so? (laughs) Come on. Well, so so, so he goes upstairs and he he confronts Wolverine, like, hey, man, that chick gonna be all right? And then Logan's like, oh, you saw her future. She saw the X-Men killed and her family and her friends. Everyone. Where she came from and what she's been through and who her parents might be. Don't you get it? <laughs> it's you. You're her father. Uh, but why is she so interested in me, Logan? Cyclops wants to know. So, so Cyclops, I mean, he's a file reader. We know that. And there's a file on Rachel that says this girl comes from the future and she's in a mystery and an enigma. So that part's not a mystery to Cyclops. But do you think there's no other clues or, I mean, in typical X-Men fashion or Marvel fashion, everybody but Cyclops knows that he's her father. Well, yeah, I, I think he suspects, though. And I think that's part of the reason why he's all like, but why is she so interested in me, Logan? It's like, tell me, please. And Moira's like... Like, I don't want you to know. So I'm just going to interrupt and say, gentlemen, I'm afraid neither are the time nor patience to deal with this. Uh, with what may, my concern is the world as it is. Maybe she doesn't know. I'm I'm willing to be okay with her not knowing. But look at her face. She's like, she's pissed. She's like, uh, we can't think about the future. We can only think about the, the present. I guess maybe she's agitated over what she's about to tell uh, the X-Men about the professor. That's that true. Be- when did John Romita start drawing her like um, like Mystique as the Baroness? <laughs> uh, Raven Darkholm? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. This she, issue, I think. She, she, this is, this, I was, at first when I saw this, I was like, who's that? And uh, so Cyclops is like, all right, what's going on? Why did you summon me? So, so this, I think, is the confirmation that Moira had called uh, Cyclops in Anchorage. And Moira breaks the news. It's Charlie, Professor Eggs, Javier. He's dying. No. Yes. I don't believe you! Last Christmas, he was mugged. 
that if not for the aid of a Morlock healer, he would have died on the spot. Uh, his his recovery uh, was contingent on him taking it easy, but he's the prof, he hasn't taken it easy, and now everything's breaking down. His blood, his liver, his nerves, everything. Why didn't he tell me? He didn't tell anyone, laddie. He's a proud man. He doesn't want your sympathy or pity. It's uh, another thing, another example of everybody knows, but the professor doesn't <laughs> care. <laughs> Uh, he feels like there's too much stuff undone, too much work to do. Maybe that's why he called Magneto in and, uh... It's got double takes. No way! Wait, what? Magneto's here? Well, he knows Magneto's here. No matter how sick the professor is, he can't be that crazy. Magneto's a villain! I know we've worked together of late. I know Magneto says he... Magneto says he's reformed, but I don't believe it. I won't. I can't trust him. To me, if Charles hands over the school... The X-Men and New Mutants, uh, over to Magneto. He's as good as signed our death warrants. Nah. <laughs> Wolverine's like, yeah, yeah, come on. You, you're being a little dramatic there, bub. You might be wrong. I'm not prepared to take that risk. How long, Moira? Moira says if he's lucky, and Rachel overhears through uh, tele- telekinesis, te- telepathy, he may see the birth of your child. She's a spy. Which is not her. She's been listening up on this whole conversation. Meanwhile, in Washington, D.C., at the home of Valerie Cooper, you remember her, right? Of course. Well, Valerie Cooper comes home, and she's startled to find that Valerie Cooper is sitting on the couch, drinking Valerie Cooper's wine. Didn't this just happen to Colossus in, like, a couple issues ago? Like what? When he got surprised by Arcade? Yeah, when, yeah, when, in the, when the Arcade issue, when Colossus enters the room and Colossus is there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, Voss? Voss? Well, uh, Valerie doesn't say that. And and neither did Colossus, because Voss is a German phrase. Yeah, I realize that as I said <laughs> oh, Okay, okay. And she's like, who are you? And it's Mystique. I could be you. Who's to say I'm not? And that you're the imposter. I am Mystique. I am Mystique, Destro. <laughs> <laughs> Leader of the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants? The same. Have some wine. You look like you could use it. Yes, she goes on to say, well, it was the Brotherhood of Evil uh, Mutants, but maybe that organization has outlived its usefulness. We have some things to talk about. Drink some wine. Oh, and by the way, I can shapeshift into the president. How does this feel for you? I guess Valerie deals with the president on a regular basis, so this might be a little more comfortable for her. She's like special assistant to the president on mutant affairs, maybe, or something like that. So the gist of this conversation is that Mystique feels she can she can she can sense the change in the wind that anti-mutant sentiment is high and heavy and she decided that she wants to put the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants into work for the government on the side of the angels as freedom force. Yep, and this is not the first time that bad guys have gone good. Look at Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch and Swordsman and Mantis and all sorts of other people that are working with the Avengers. Who are Swordsman and Mantis? I have no idea. They're <laughs> Avengers, though, and they used to be villains. Uh, they want... Uh, think of the possibilities, Val. A trained cadre of super-powered beings responsible to the White House. No more of the conflicts you periodically encounter with a Fantastic Four or Avengers. The Freedom Force works for you, and of course the President. We'll do as we're told. And then in the weirdest panel on this page, Valerie responds, but she does it in four tilts of her head, and by the end of it, she looks absolutely evil. Yeah, I think that last 
I like the whole concept of what's happening here with her kind of head tilting, but the last frame of her just looking evil feels a little out of place. So she she gets an idea. She's like, well, um, okay, I can get you a full pardon maybe, but first you got to do something for me. You're to locate and capture the founder of the original brotherhood, the master of magnetism, Magneto. <laughs> she looks like... So maybe she's just really pleased with herself. I guess she's like, I am super clever. I just came up with a way to solve a big problem. Huzzah. Yeah. Meanwhile, at the cemetery, um, Rachel is visiting, I guess, gray relatives. In the foreground, you have a Earl Gray. Come on. Is that like tea? Yes. Earl Gray. Tea. Earl Gray. Hot. Yes. Yeah. Uh, hi, uh, hi, Mom. It's Rachel. I've come home. Uh, so what? where is the cemetery? Because I thought Rachel, or I mean, I thought Jean, where is Jean buried? Isn't she on the moon? Um. Well, you know, you can have a gravestone and not have a body there. I suppose. So her gravestone is not at the uh, mansion. It's, I guess it would make sense that it would be wherever her hometown is. Oh, it looks like it's near New York City here. So it is kind of a, a, sh- a shift cause, because um, she's speaking. She says, hi, mom, it's Rachel. I've come home. Um, and then she's thinking and suddenly she's no longer in the cemetery anymore. So I'm guessing that some time has passed and she walked whatever the distance is from the cemetery to the Gray's house and she sees Jean Gray's mother and father drive away. I honestly read this like the cemetery is like right next door to the Gray's house. Yeah, you could read it like that, but boy, would that be weird. (laughs) That would be super weird. The way you explain it makes way more sense. We buried all our children in the backyard. (laughs) And there's a lot of them. Because that's what you do, right? So, yeah, she's 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 remembering Grandma and Grandpa from her timeline. Uh, she saw them die. They were mutant sympathizers, I guess, uh, in something called the Anti-Mutant Riots. Um, she thinks to herself that she could use her telekinesis uh, or, or tele- telepathy to mentally command the Greys to come back and visit her, but she's not going to. So instead, she... She breaks into the house. This isn't my home, really. You aren't my family. I'm a stranger. And I've got some baggy pants. Super 80s baggy pants with, like, little belts on on the uh, cuffs of the pants. Are those hammer pants? Ah, this is pre-hammer, man. Well, please, hammer. Don't hurt. (laughs) I think hammer is wearing Rachel Summers' pants. Maybe young MC Hammer is reading this very issue and he's like, man, I like those pants. Yeah, man, you put some zebra prints on there and you got something. Do you remember the MC Hammer cartoon that was on? I remember that there was an MC Hammer cartoon. He has magic shoes. Yeah, I don't believe I ever watched an episode. You know, if you if you ever find time and you remember this, you should you should watch the theme song. It's hilarious. Adam, I will never have the time to do that. Well, let me break it down for you. <laughs> MC Hammer's got magic shoes. Hey, you told the me. magic shoes. They talk. Yeah. And they 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 run around and do stuff, and that's that's the gist of it. Awesome. Well, now I don't need to watch it. And it's in a rap. Uh, of course, it is. MC Hammer's got magic shoes. Gonna go to the bar to get some booze. Really? He raps about booze in a cartoon? No. No. So Rachel is 
remembering something that hasn't happened yet, or is she remembering something in this timeline? Uh, no, she's remembering something from this timeline, which they don't tell you until the next page. Uh, she says, whereas what came before before, were merely fantasy visions derived from what Rachel read in the X-Men's Dark Phoenix file. So all of this stuff is uh, just, she's imagining Ah. visions from what, because I was was like, what is this? Yeah, because she says in my timeline, uh, Phoenix didn't die. Uh, I guess we don't even know if in her timeline she became Dark Phoenix and then maybe saved herself, but. Well, no, no. She says that, yeah, to save the X-Men, mom became Phoenix. That part, that part's the same in both histories. Oh, the child of light became one of darkness. Um, but what is different in both histories is when Jean Grey says, I was your daughter, and Mr. Grey says, no, you're not, not any part of mine. I guess in Rachel's timeline, Mr. Grey did not say that and said, it's okay, baby. Okay. You're my little girl. And because of that, she wasn't um, uh, seduced by Jason Wingard, or I guess we we don't see that here yeah uh, rachel says mom was so powerful as dark phoenix she couldn't shut out uh the hurt from her her parents okay she was hurt to her soul so much that she had to hurt back how come you loved her enough to see that in my world but not in this one and that's when she starts having flashbacks from her timeline stop it go away leave me alone i don't want to see this well her timeline kind of skips Everything. So I guess we can assume that in her timeline, she became Phoenix, as she said. Um, Dark Phoenix may or may not have happened, but she eventually, ultimately, she gets to this point where Scott and her are carrying little Rachel, and obviously Jean's a good person. So whatever happened, uh, they got past it. Um, Scott's pensive, as he usually is, brooding. He also seems to be wearing his glasses from, like, the classic uh, X-Men era. Mutants have always been outcasts, but I never dreamed things would get this bad. Some really grim bills are being debated in Congress. They may actually be passed, Gene, and signed into laws. Wow, this is really reflective of our current time. <laughs> it's reflective of every time. But, but yeah, I yes. suppose it is. <laughs> maybe, maybe now more so than, than before. But yes, uh, but, you know, Gene's upbeat. She's like, oh, it's never a good time to start a new life, but... Rachel, I want so for you to be happy. And Rachel behind her. I was, Mom, then. In your eyes, baby. I see def- infinite possibilities of second chance. You're all the hope that there's a young lady promise as yet unfulfilled. Be true to my faith, Rachel. Make me proud. Is this the uh, is this the birth of Hope Summers? Uh, hope Summers is an entirely different story altogether. Well, they use the word hope here. Oh, I see where you're going. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's bad. Yeah, that, that, that was not. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I'll never do it again. I actually I don't know the whole Hope Summers thing. You know, I read it all and I kind of don't remember a lot of it. Oh, okay. The, the best parts were when she was traveling through time with Cable. Oh, okay. That sounds Everything intriguing. before and after that, I don't really remember. Okay. They were being hunted by Bishop. Spoilers. Oh, jeez. Uh, she wasn't, Rachel wasn't strong enough. Uh, she, she wasn't brave. She fought. Rachel gave in and she became a hound. She's remembering and she hunted mutants and she was the best. She hunted the mutants uh, down so that the humans could kill them. <clears throat> and, uh, At least the hounds. Yes, she worked for Mr. Burns. She gets that uh, that black spiky suit and the uh, black marks on her face uh, as she's remembering this part. 
And uh, then she finds the holempathic matrix crystal, which I think the Shi'ar gave the greys to uh, remind them of Jean's essence or something like that. Wait, they're going to be ticked off on the next page. No kidding. So she picks it up and she feels she's like, oh, my mom's here. Oh, man, this feels so good. Uh, but then she's like, she gets really mad. She's like, can you see me, mom? What I am, all I've done, forgive me for the lives, for the hope I lost, the promise I betrayed. She's still got the lines on her face in this panel, but they're they're now they're kind of uh, I feel like they're more phoenixy than before. Yeah, she she kind of pushes the globe out and it's floating there, and as it floats there, she says, uh, "They call you the Chaos Bringer. They say Phoenix was evil. That your power was too terrible to be controlled, and your human spirit too weak to withstand the temptation." I say that's wrong. I'm your daughter, firstborn and only child, and I claim the power and the name of Phoenix that are mine by right. And here we get to the cover, and she really doesn't even have a costume. She's just kind of Phoenix incarnate. Yeah, it's just like uh, maybe maybe she's naked or maybe she's wearing uh, uh, some spandex uh, and the Phoenix of Force is just on her chest. But yeah, she's enveloped in this whole Phoenix uh, Force. What did you say it was? It was a, a Phoenix swimsuit? Yeah, a Phoenix one-piece swimsuit. Actually, I bet that would sell. Oh, totally, man. You could you could put that up at Hot Topic for like $75. Oh, man. Have you ever seen those um, one-piece swimsuits by Black Milk? No. They have like uh, the R two D two one and the oh C- yeah 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 I've seen those sure uh, they they should do it because they do good jobs they should when we should get a commission because we came up with the idea yeah totally obviously uh, she goes on to talk about how her people were uh, prejudiced and faced hatred just as my world is threatened by the beyonder I mean to safeguard them both mutants and human I guess I don't know. Once Professor Xavier is gone, there will be no one left powerful enough to help new uh, new mutants or protect them but me. This is my chance to balance the scales to make up for all the bad things I did in the future and you, Mom, did in the past. I want everyone to remember who Jean, the Dream Grey, who assumed the mantle of Phoenix to save the man and friends she loved more than her life. In my timeline, as well as this one, Mom saved the universe. All right, so that all that's... All right, I guess we don't really know what the difference is between the two universes, but it doesn't matter because she collapses uh, as she thinks to her or says to herself, can I do any less? And as she collapses, the little homopathic thing falls to the ground and shatters. The greys are going to be ticked off. They're going to be like, that was the essence of our daughter. Somebody broke in, didn't do anything, but they just broke our daughter. <laughs> yeah, what a, that's awful. Well, meanwhile, at uh, Washington, D.C., we are at a special reception at the National Holocaust Memorial where uh, Magneto is kind of teaching Kitty Pride the ropes of, like, what do you do at one of these things? You you kind of make a speech, you make a plea for, for maybe a friend or a family member that you lost during the Holocaust, maybe tell your story, connect with old friends and stuff. It seems like you, you just kind of introduce yourself, and if people recognize you or think that they might have a connection to you, they find you afterwards. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's the internet. It's Facebook before, you know, the internet. Oh, yeah, I like that. <laughs> but but a hell of a lot more social. <laughs> That's and pro- true. And probably way more therapeutic. 
uh, and and so Magneto's kind of teaching Kitty the ropes. Uh, Lee Forrester is here, uh, kind of hanging out with with Magneto. And so yeah. Kitty finally gets up, and she's like, uh, "Well, you know, she's kind of shy, and she's a little nervous about this whole thing." She gets up, and she's like, "Hey, I'm I'm Catherine Pride, and uh, I'm here for my grandfather Samuel Prideman. He wanted to be here more than anything, but he died last year, and he had a sister." Uh, my great aunt Shava, she used to live in Warsaw before the war, trying to find him, but uh, we've never, never been able to find her. Her records were erased, etc. And immediately, uh, Magneto is says, "Have you a photograph of her? I knew a woman named Shava in Auschwitz, but her last name was Rosenoff." And that's when a couple of other people come up and they're like, we know uh, Shava Rosanoff. She changed her name and got married and came to America and she was really happy. And they know Magneto too. They were friends. I was wrong about that. They were part of the resistance. And after the Warsaw Ghetto Uprising, we were all sent to Auschwitz uh, and she died there. So Shava died there. Yes. Shava did not come to America and have a happy life. No, no. Uh but everybody else Samuel did. Samuel Prideman did. Yeah, and uh, yes. So that's, you know, a little, little reconnection there. And, you know, they continue to talk about... Uh, Chris Claremont connecting everybody. So Magneto knew... Um, Magneto knew Shava, who is the... The great aunt of Kitty. Yeah. Every, everybody's connected. Yeah. Which is, I guess, you know, Kitty is slowly learning to uh, appreciate Magneto more. So I like, yeah, yeah. it works. Apparently, uh, Magneto was was kind of a, a resistance fighter as much as he could be uh, in. I think he was in Auschwitz as well. Yeah. Uh, nobody knew about his powers though, so whatever he was doing, he probably did as covertly as he could. In those days, heroism meant holding on to one's humanity. Well, the Nazis tried their best to turn us into animals. The way to defeat them was, or the way to defy them, to defeat them was to lie, to hope. Hold on to hope, no matter what. Believe me, Kitty, I was no one special. I, if I am a hero, then so is every other man and woman who survived. And that's when Lee gets this evil gleam on her face and says, And what, pray tell, would your doting admirers say, Magneto, if they knew the truth? She looks crazy. Uh, that you've become one of the most feared criminals on Earth. And then she reverts into mystique and says, A man as cruel and heartless and full of hate as any Nazi ever born Ooh, harsh Ooh, words. yeah rubbing it in your face what have you done with lee forrester where is she she's fine don't worry about her okay well, all right <laughs> so magneto's got no choice he he reveals himself to be a mutant he wraps up mystique in metal and then everybody there is like oh my god he's a mutant did you see him he's gonna kill us everybody run that girl with him is she one too what about the blue girl nobody mentions the blue girl <laughs> And that's when the rest of the Brotherhood, I mean Freedom Force, walks in. You've got uh, Pyro, Avalanche, Destiny, Blob, and some new six-armed woman that we know from the Longshot series as Spiral. This this, uh, this episode is titled The Spiral Path. Yeah, I mean, do you think it's named after her? No. <laughs> it seems but a little But it's an odd. interesting coincidence. It, it is. The first appearance of Spiral in Uncanny X-Men happens to be called the Spiral Path. I wonder why. I don't know. Uh, Kitty's like, come on, we got to get out of here. There's too many innocent people here. Uh, but Magnet is like, no, Lee, I won't abandon her. Well, it's not just that there's too many innocent people there. It's, it's, it's a Holocaust reunion, and it's sort of hollowed ground. Yeah, there's there's many. It's like, that, it's like a Jewish community building. There's many reasons not to have a fight here, and, and that's a couple of them for sure. 
But Magneto is uh, upset because he he is missing Lee. He doesn't know where he, what what happened to her. So he tells Kitty to go find her, and I will deal with them. And he creates a magnetic wedge to gently force them out of the building, which is BS. But whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'll just create a magnetic wedge, uh, you know, wedge. I've never done this before. Maybe I could have used some of my latent mental power that I don't use anymore. He doesn't have that ever since he was a baby. I I don't think that's true. I think we yeah, I think were hoping that that was the case, but then there was like a, I can't remember what it was, but he's like. I feel like it was Secret Wars. I don't know. I think it was before Secret Wars, but there was like something like, I had been a long time since I'd used my mental power, so I used those. It was when he was in the Savage Land after he was a baby, I think. But was it in the pages of X-Men? Uh, no, it was not in the pages of X-Men. It was definitely in Defenders or something like that. As long as it wasn't in the pages of X-Men. Correct. Uh, anyways, uh, Spiral is able to weave a pattern of power sufficient to shatter the metal that has been encasing Mystique. I'm grateful, Spiral. Now perform me a dance that'll bring the overbearing sod to his knees. Uh, don't need the new gal for that. Oh, so so Pyro's like, yeah, don't worry about that. I got this. He's firing flames at Magneto, but apparently Magneto can put up like a, you know, a, since since fire is magnetic, he's able to repel it with a Magneto shield. Well, yeah, and you know, it's a, it's another wedge. Exactly. Uh, Destiny starts calling out plays. You know, she's a precog, and she's like, hey, Kitty has radioed her teammates. Uh, the most probable timeline has Colossus. And just as she says that, Colossus bursts through the wall with Kitty. Colossus? You didn't have to. Why didn't you let me phase you inside? We don't want to wreck the memorial. I am no good with memorials. <laughs> Uh, Pyro blasts him with some flame. Uh, Colossus is protecting Kitty, but Kitty's like, ah, I phase, you know. Pyro, stop. You'll set the building on fire. Does nobody care about this? Destiny calls out that Nightcrawler's going to appear towards Blob's left or whatever. So as soon as uh, Nightcrawler teleports in, Blob grabs him and begins to suffocate him. So I was trying to figure out why Nightcrawler just doesn't bamf away, and I guess the answer is that if he can't concentrate because he can't breathe, he can't bamf. Yeah, I'm I'm guessing he just teleported into a scene, got really surprised, uh, and is unable to focus, I guess. And then he can't breathe on top of that. Seems a little convenient. Yeah. Seems a little lame. Destiny also sees that Wolverine and Cyclops are approaching and calls that out to Avalanche. Very casually. They're not even running. No, they're just like, hey, man. Yeah, we'll get there when we get there, right, Psych? You betcha, Wolverine. Hey, Psych, what do you what do you think about uh, Lee and Magneto? Wasn't she your girl? I don't know anything about it yet. <laughs> How about Rachel? She's weird, isn't she? <laughs> I feel a strange connection to her. I don't know why, and no one will tell me. Everybody just gets awkward whenever I enter a room. Yeah, bub. <laughs> avalanche hits them with an avalanche, and they kind of go, kind of get tossed away. You think that would kill Cyclops? Uh, he kind of does like a little hop, skip, and a jump there. Wolverine, on the other hand, he gets he gets walloped. It looks like. Yeah, he's got magic bones. Yeah, exactly. And what is your precognition? Comrades, say the future holds in store for me, woman. You'll lose, of course. I guess he grabs a metal 
folding table and shoots it at Spiral and Mystique, who Spiral uses her magical dance powers to turn it into some sort of wrappy paper. Yes, and binds Magneto up with that magic um, wrapping paper. And this is at least where we get Spiral kind of being like, uh, oh, this is an amusing band, this. Glad I joined them. They're proving... Uh, most efficient and entertaining means of learning about this orb and its inhabitants while I wait for the proper confluence of astral forces to enable me to rejoin Mojo and continue our hunt for the runaway. So that places this issue in between issues one and four of Longshot. Yeah, you think so? Yeah. So... So well, well, she was stuck on the planet with a with a bunch of uh, weird dudes. Yeah. Um. The she she decided to go join Freedom Force until issue three or four. Uh, no, issue three, where she transports back to the Mojoverse. I don't think that's accurate. I think uh, I think this is all after Longshot number six when. Longshot kicks Mojo into the portal and uh, Spiral is trapped on Earth. Oh, is she? Is that how it ended? I'm pretty sure that Spiral was left on Earth saying, like, somehow I'll get back to Mojo. And Longshot and his band of dudes were going to go save the universe or something. I read that. I could swear. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it wasn't very rememberable. I'll have to reread uh, the past last couple pages of issue six and see. Because I mean, but, uh, I, I hope you're right because that makes more sense. The spiral's not going anywhere for quite a while, so it wouldn't make much sense if she's flipping back and forth to the Mojo verse. Because I think she's driven by two things: get back to Mojo and find Longshot, and she can't do that with Freedom Force. But isn't Longshot in the Mojo verse now? He is. Because he kicked uh, Mojo through the portal. Well, shucks. Yeah, right? (laughs) She's screwed. Anyways, uh, Magneto easily breaks through the wrapping paper. Um, Colossus is fighting Pyro. Um, Destiny, or or Pyro asks Destiny what what should happen next. He will reach you, Pyro, but he will not slay. Does anybody have any hard candy? (laughs) My mouth is very dry. And that's when Kitty phases through the floor and she's able to give her a Vulcan nerve pinch and she collapses. The moment I foresaw, she thinks to herself as she collapses, my own removal from the game is at hand. And then unconscious, she thinks to herself, it changes nothing. The outcome remains certain. I am unconscious now. (laughs) This floor does not taste good. It's very cold, and my hip hurts. (laughs) I may not be able to ever get up. Oh, dear. Why won't my grandson visit? (laughs) Well, Colossus reaches Pyro and punches him out. Uh, Blob is continuing his hold on Nightcrawler. Uh, Nightcrawler decides to go for it, um, and he can't get out of this, so maybe he's got another idea. He's going to concentrate as much as he can and teleport him and Blob kind of a far distance away uh, to the top of the Washington Monument. I'm not sure how this works, but it's neat. I feel like this is a little irresponsible of Nightcrawler. He he teleports a four to 500 to 600 pound man on top of this, 
you know, Washington Monument, leaving him at the top where if he falls, uh, he won't die because he's the blob, but he could cause a hell of a lot of damage. And if the monument isn't structured properly, I mean, he could crack the damn thing in half. Well, you know, they've already ruined this Jewish memorial, so. Yeah. Might as well not worry about things. So Nightcrawler teleports him up there and then teleports away, and uh, Blob's like, well, you rotten, lousy little help! How, how are they going to get him off of there? I mean, that's going to be a heck of a crane. I'm imagining he's just going to jump. Yeah. It could be. Well, uh, Avalanche apparently did do quite a number on Cyclops and Wolverine because only just now are they kind of working their way out of the wreckage. Looks like Cyclops is unconscious. Pity we're the good guys. Mystique says we got to pretty much play by the rules. It's a real shame not to finish these creeps off while I got the chance. Hey, he gets punched by Rogue. Them's the break, sugar. Or sugar. 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 She doesn't even use the accent. She's moving too fast to, uh, <laughs> to drop the R words. Count yourself lucky. They're only shaking up Avalanche or old Tom's sake notwithstanding out of taking it out of your hide because we used to be two teammates. Uh, Spiral weaves another dance or spell or whatever, immobilizing uh, immobilizing Magneto. Mystique steps up to him with a gun and points it at his head and says, you're under arrest. Uh, it turns out Cyclops was not unconscious because Spiral falls to the ground with a shot from the back and Cyclops is behind her in what I can only imagine is a super cool cinematic sequence. Yeah. Spiral, Mystique says... She's only stunned, Cyclops responds. Drop the gun, sweetheart. You won't be anywhere near as fortunate. Keep your claws sheathed, Wolverine. I get the message. Kitty finds... found Lee! Yep. Yay! Fine, Shadowcat, even though I used to date her. I'm not going to talk about her or even acknowledge that she's here. Let's follow her example. We'll leave the Brotherhood for the police. Cyclops, you Cretan, we are the police. You're interfering in illegal arrest. Uh, my friends, I appreciate all you've done for me, but I cannot go with you. I am staying. After all of this, I changed my mind. <laughs> I, um, have I become the image of those I hated? Go, this is something I must do alone. I am through running and hiding for my own salvation and the good of mutant kind. The time has come at last to take a stand, to face my accusers and my fate. Also, I feel really bad about trashing the place. Yeah. Next, the trial of Magneto as Mystique gleefully puts the shackles on Magneto's hands. And is that Valerie Cooper in the background? I think it is. So she... I just got in to see this. Yay! This is really great. The president's going to hear all about this. That's, that's some fun business. So there you go. Uh, Uncanny X-Men number 199. There you go. Too bad it's going to be like a month before we read X-Men 200. It's not going to be a month. It's going to be three weeks. <laughs> we got to read like New Mutants and Asgard stuff. We got two episodes in between <laughs> this and or maybe three episodes. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, we got a few episodes in between. You know, yeah. it's no, no biggie. It's we'll just get... stuff that happens in between this issue and that issue. Well, it's not my fault. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stop, stop blaming me. We'll, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. I'm not blaming you. Blame the, the, the Jaime Choutiers of the world. <laughs> the Andesantes? Yeah, well, I don't know. Is she an editor? I, yeah, isn't she the, the editor of this, that, this very issue? I only read the credits. I don't remember them. Um, so there you go. That was, uh, X-Men number 199. Um, it sure was. We, uh, we got a little, 
little mail here. We sure did. Uh, it goes like this. I am an X-Men fan and occasional listener to your podcast. What can we do to change occasional to a religious listener to your podcast? <laughs> <laughs> I enjoy it, especially like Adam's comments. Ooh, Adam. Damn straight. Yeah. It's brilliant to know how it all started. That being said, uh-oh, I am on episode 74, Wolverine, and just had enough of our gay remarks pointing out some characters or their outfits are so gay. I'm gay myself and keen to know if you are against it or just unaware that you could be very offensive sometimes. Uh, happy to give you some examples and hope you weren't aware and open to change. Thanks, Scons. <clears throat> well, I guess this is where we dial the seriousness up on the... Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. All right, I will I will play a uh, morose background song as you discuss this. <laughs> There's no way I can talk over that. Oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, Gans, sorry if we have offended you, um, but we're we're uh, we we're offensive to everybody. <laughs> I mean, do you hear our Jewish impression? It's terrible. Every now and then, I do that horrible Mexican thing. It's bad. Oh, the worst is the Japanese one. Uh, yeah, but even I caught myself. I was like, I, I can't. That that one was just like way. That one went. That one crossed the line. So, uh, are we are we against gay? No, we are not against gay. No, we are we are open to anybody being whatever they want to be, and we are more than comfortable with them and happy for them in being that. Yeah, we just want listeners. Exactly. Uh, but does, that's that said, um, yeah, we can we can get offensive every now and then, and you know, hopefully, hopefully, our heartfelt uh, message to you that we're not intentionally offensive. We are just um, unintentionally offensive. Yeah, you know, <laughs> we're, here's the thing: when Jeremy and I get together, we've known each other since we were teenagers. And we kind of act like teenagers when we get together. It's sort of our fallback thing. And so we don't really uh, think about what we're saying. We probably are at times very sexist and or racist and or homophobic. But in reality, we are none of those things. Um, Doesn't it make you more of that thing if you continue to say that you're not that thing? Well, I suppose everybody <laughs> in some sense is everything. I don't know. So, anyways, we hope we haven't offended you too much, or or any of the other listeners. I wonder, I wonder how many listeners we've lost who are just like, oh, they just did the Mexican thing. I'm out. <laughs> oh, that Japanese thing. I'm done. Like, like maybe we would be at like ten thousand listeners, but there's just that boiling over point every twenty episodes where people are like, oh, that's it. I've had enough of that one. Well, you know, do we really want to keep those people? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess not. So anyways, uh, I don't know. Keep on listening. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll keep offending. But, you know, it's nothing personal. Uh, I, I don't know. I think, I think this hole is just getting dug deeper. So, so we'll move on. Uh, Gans, yeah, no, sorry about we'll, it. We'll, we'll, we'll uh, you know, we'll try to be more cognizant, I think. I don't know. Maybe to a degree. Um, I, I hope we make fun of ourselves as much as we make fun of other people. Yeah, ideally it's more so. Yeah, yeah. At least as much, if not more so. I mean, you got to admit, there there are some very sketchy costumes and, and characters that have come out of the Marvel Universe. And and viewing them with 2016, 2017 eyes, you're kind of like, <laughs> what were they thinking? Yeah, it's sort of it's sort of our teenage 
default, oh, right. that looks gay sort of thing. But but to be honest, I mean, I can see where, where Gons is coming from. Uh, oh, absolutely. The, the that's so gay thing it is kind of a early 2000 thing thousands thing that's kind of been played out um one of the things i've been trying to work on a lot lately uh is uh uh, gender neutrality right so rather than going into a room and saying hey guys what's going on uh when you're 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 trying to be all inclusive but you're kind of using the male uh word there um trying to work on that instead of uh, saying that but hey everyone or uh my sister actually said uh you should use y'all and i was like i don't know if i can do that like hey y'all but but that's gender gender neutral and uh so you can't use dudes no god no you can't use bros no 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 you can't use well, you can but then you got to figure out like you know at what point are you like going to the uh, way too far to the political correctness uh, hey ladies and gentlemen <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i i don't hey, think cool I can say cats that. yeah so anyways, uh, you know, whatever. We'll, we'll. Or you could just be like the Futurama guy. Hello, everyone. I, I do that in emails from time to time. Or you could reverse it and just say, hey, ladies. <laughs> I say I'll do like good news. Good news. Good news, everyone. You guys are a couple of bad hombres. <laughs> That's right. Bad dudes. Bad dudes and hombres. So anyways. There you go. You can reach us at, uh, vi- or visit us at www.xmenpodcast.com, facebook.com forward slash danger room podcast. Uh, follow us at danger room go. Email us danger room at redcapproductions.com. Uh, go to iTunes, search up danger rooms under uh, danger room singular under the podcast section or the first one that, uh, that pops up there. You can subscribe to us, uh, uh, give us a comment or whatever you'd like to do. Uh, and you could also leave us a voicemail at 501-GET-X-MEN. That's 501-438-9636. And as always, our theme music has been provided by Laszlo Hollyfeld. We got a couple of iTunes reviews, uh, two of them, in fact, two more five stars. One is by JJ15059, and I'm going to read it in a robot voice. And uh, the the best at what they do, and what they do is entertaining. It is entertaining, especially if you are an X-Men comics fan. I'm just coming up short on a witty pun. You'll definitely love it more than any story's focus on Dazzler, that's for sure. This is JJ15059 out. We also got one from Ilyana's Giant Porn Collection? I think that's a reference to the uh, the end of the Nightcrawler limited series. Oh, that's right. She had like Playgirls or something, or she was talking about Playgirls. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, great discretion from Real Life by Ilana's giant porn collection. Adam and Jeremy have stumbled upon a very entertaining formula for their X-Men comics commentary podcast. They both have goofy and endearing delivery for their read-throughs each week, which I appreciate. Unlike other comic podcasts, they don't take themselves too seriously while talking about what, in truth, is a very silly subject. Keep up the good work, guys. See, there he can use guys, because you and I are both guys. But That's true. if one of us was a woman, I, I think keep up the good work, guys, I mean, it would still work, but I mean, that would that would be not be gender neutral. Right. <laughs> it doesn't matter, though. So, no, it doesn't. It doesn't matter in this context, but you know, it, it's 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 noble that you are attempting to do that. Yeah, just trying to better myself, Adam. Taking some classes. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it's, we uh, we we are we are a couple of white dudes, so we have it pretty easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, got it. Like, yeah. But enough of the seriousness. Let's just, let's let's wrap this up. I don't like it when we're serious.
We're we're annoying when we're serious. Sorry, I got a couple of things. Uh, oh, some, okay. Some house cleaning. Uh, I get housekeeping to do. I suppose. Uh, I am reading this issue, and you more than likely are as well, from the X-Men Ghosts trade paperback. For those of you that are like, I want to follow through, but I don't know what source material to get. Um, the other thing, I don't think I'm going to do this, but the local used bookstore has like X-Men Asgardian Wars. It's a trade paperback that's fairly old, but it has the uh, the New Mutants and then the... Um, X-Men Alpha Flight, and then the annual. Those are collected in my New Mutants classics. Uh, I don't have that. So I was half tempted. You're collecting New Mutants. You can grab grab those. I was half tempted to grab grab that Asgardian Wars thing, but ultimately I didn't, so meh. Um, I wanted to ask you, Adam, if you had seen Luke Cage. Uh, Yes. Yes, I did. I watched it... um, Slowly, but I uh, I I did I uh, see it. I watched it. Uh, so so over the last week or so, I've been a little uh, sick. Uh, I think I may have actually had the flu, like the flu proper. Uh, so I was I was on my back, and so while I was on in that state, I, I marathoned Luke Cage, and I got to be honest, I I got into it. But there was one little, um, probably many, but the one um, uh, what do you call it um, Easter egg that I caught. Uh, at the very end, uh, Misty Knight finds a poster for some like martial arts classes that are taught by Colleen Wing. Oh, I didn't notice that. <laughs> it's very small, and I had to like kind of squint to see the text. And then that got me thinking: wasn't Colleen Wing and uh, Cyclops dating in the comic? Yeah, very yeah. briefly. And I had I'd forgotten about that. And then, and then doesn't in the comic doesn't Misty Knight and Colleen Wing form a, like a detective agency or something like that? Yeah, uh, I believe they even have a cool name that I can't remember. Yeah, and uh, Misty Knight dates Iron Fist. Oh, which is probably not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. But Luke Cage also has a child with Jessica Jones in the comic books. So I don't know what direction they're going in. Oh, but that's got to be new stuff. Yeah, and it will. I mean, it's all all of it's based on new stuff. Although surprisingly, I read the very first issue of uh, Luke Cage, and there is a lot of stuff that this show took from that first issue. I had no idea. Like the seventies or eighties Luke Cage? Yeah, the seventies. Yeah, I mean that's the only Luke Cage I'm familiar with, and and I'm not familiar with very much of it. Just what we've read in the pages of, or the X Men crossovers and a few of the Secret Wars crossovers. So, right. Um, anyways, the other question I had to ask uh, uh, you about was Legion. What, what do you think about what's going on here? Oh wait, so so wait before before we get there, what did you Sorry. what did you think of Luke Cage? Because I I actually thought um, it was better than both Daredevils and Jessica Jones. Uh, so I was not able. So uh, when Daredevil came out, I watched it like almost right away. When Jessica Jones came out, I watched it almost right away. And same with the second season of Daredevil. When it came out, I watched it almost right away. This, I don't know why, it just took me forever. And I, I kind of was like, oh my God, is it a black thing? Like, am I am I not interested in it because it's black? <laughs> I was feeling kind of bad. And I was like, I, I really, like, I got to watch this because, but I was putting it off for so long for, so, for, I, for I don't know what reason. And obviously I'd seen Luke Cage in Jessica Jones and I thought he was great there. I was like, I don't know why I, I'm not doing this. Uh, but when I finally did put it in and finally did watch it, I, yeah, I was in hook, line and sinker. I thought it was, 
I, I thought it was good. I didn't feel uh, like the two Daredevil uh, seasons I felt were good, but I felt there were, like there were two episodes maybe too long. And I thought Jessica Jones might have actually been like three or four episodes too long. Um, I didn't really get quite that sense with Luke Cage. I thought they uh, ha- have mastered the pacing of the, what, 12 or 13 episodes series. Um, Something like that, 13, 12, yeah. I don't know. But I, I didn't really feel like there was um, filler uh, I like I liked how it ended, you know, kind of we, we won, but oh, man, there's a big kind of a cliffhanger and lots of possibilities. And I didn't really feel like we got those kind of like cliffhangery uh, possibilities uh, from any of the other shows, even though second season of Daredevil kind of left you hanging with a few things. I didn't really uh, find that all that compelling. Mm. So uh, but but yeah, I, I thought it was good. I, I liked it a lot. You? Yeah, I, I I agree with you 100. It was of the of the of the four shows so far. It has been cons- the most consistent, the most compelling, um, the best characters, the best uh, actors. I, I I really enjoyed it. It was I don't know. It was I really liked the music. Yeah, yeah, the um, music was fantastic. I I thought this is the way I kept thinking about. It. I was like, this is black exploitation without the exploitation. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if that makes any sense, but it's just like, yeah, it's in it's in Harlem and it's it's focused around mostly black folks, and they don't really make a huge deal of that. It's just just people dealing with things that are happening in their area and they happen to be black and it's like that's awesome you know what you just solved your problem when you enter a room you can say hi folks <laughs> yeah yeah actually uh, i have been been trying to work folks or everyone or but it's hard it's hard to get that guy's thing because i've been doing it since i was forever <laughs> so yeah uh luke cage good stuff um but legion what do you what do you think about legion i've, I've only seen the first two episodes um, same here same here and there's a there is a third episode out there, and there's a fourth one coming out tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's great. Um, I've I've I was hooked from the very first episode to the point that I was worried that the second episode wasn't going to be as good as the first episode, but it was, and I'm really excited for this show. Uh, if it wasn't for this podcast, uh, I wouldn't have watched Legion right away. I probably would have been like, yeah, I'll get to that. I'll get to that. I mean, uh, not for the same reason, I guess, as Luke Cage, like whatever's going on there. But I still haven't even really watched much of S.H.I.E.L.D. It's kind of like I've, I've got access to all of them, but I just haven't. One day I'll watch them. Uh, <laughs> but I'm really glad that, you know, I was like, oh, well, it's Legion. It's tied into the X-Men universe, I think. Um, uh, I mean, it definitely is, but I don't know if it's I don't know how it's tying into the current cinematic universe or whatever. I hope it doesn't. I hope this is a reboot. And this is the this is where they're going to draw from. And there's supposed to be like an X Men show coming out, right? Uh, I guess I've heard those rumors. I hope I hope if they're if if the rumors are true that they take some notes and like they 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 see what you can do and not be hokey and stupid. Yeah. So I guess uh, prior to watching the show, I really hoped that it tied into the cinematic universe. But then watching that pilot, I was like, wow, this really is good. Like the guy that mark uh legion he's i've never seen him in anything else but he's really good at at this at this role uh the girl that he meets she's really good in her role and uh the way the first episode was filmed was just you know um great i I don't even know it's 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 like a puzzle and, and you have to kind of put it together but it's not very difficult to put together so it's that right balance of confusing but not um but also 
kind of captivating. I don't know. It's 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 a very good balance of accessible but different. Whoever put the first episode together had knew what they were doing and had a plan. I feel like uh, in the wrong hands, somebody trying to attempt that sort of storytelling uh, could have just made it dumb and cheesy and confusing and obnoxious. But it was, you know, it came together very nicely. And the second episode, I think, was a little less of kind of that that puzzle that you were talking about. Yeah, there was there was definitely less going on. Uh, but that's okay. Uh, you know, still still intriguing. Still want to see where this goes. Um, I agree with you. Um, I think they should just cut their losses or whatever you want to call it with this current X universe. And uh, TV would be a great place for the X-Men to be. I, I mean, I think Fox is always going to want to throw something on the big screen. But uh, just TV, you can just do so much more with. You've got so much more time to develop characters and, and build worlds and universes and stuff. But who knows? We'll see. I, I'm sure Fox will wreck it. <laughs> I mean, the cinematic stuff. Uh, maybe the TV stuff will just be... I mean, FX, uh, for the most part, has been a pretty good place for decent television shows so maybe lower budget lesser known characters uh, can flourish there while they continue to do what whatever it is they're doing with the x-men universe on the big screen but but that also is kind of sad because that means you probably won't get your you know more well-known x-men people in these shows yeah i i just pretend that the girl that he's hanging out with is rogue and i'm fine <laughs> yeah well that's the other question or, or whatever like i mean is this supposed to be like a like a new mutants type thing or uh wasn't wasn't the runaways a whole bunch of mutants that are that are just weird or whatever uh the runaways were all children of supervillains. Oh, okay so they may or may not have had powers some of them did and some of them were just super smart sure so i, I don't know um it, it could be good or it could just be a, it could just be its own thing and they don't have to uh, do any sort of connecting i guess i hope so i, I don't know i mean i'm, I'm open to anything as long as this show stays as compelling as it is now which with the way that the way that the narrative is kind of not mm, something that we're used to it's not anything new but it's also not something that i've seen a lot on tv it's not boilerplate uh, yeah so i it i wonder how difficult it is to keep that up on a continuing basis right um did you have you did you see um did you see fargo uh, I the watched the series. Yeah, I watched the first season. Uh, eventually, it's I'm going to get to the second season. Same showrunner. Oh, okay. Yeah, I like the first season of Fargo was great. I heard nothing but good stuff about the second season. It's just, you know, one of those things where it's like, there's so much good TV. I, what am I going to watch? And, yeah, I'm in the same boat. I, I keep meaning to watch Fargo season two, but I haven't gotten around to it. So. Uh, did you ever see Downton Abbey? No, my wife watched all those. The um, the one of the suitors of the one of the daughters is the David Haller character. Oh, so if your wife watches this, and I didn't even recognize him because I kind of watched uh, Downton Abbey in the background, sort of it was on, and I just was like, whatever. Um, but I didn't even recognize this guy. He looks completely different in this show. She watched Downton Abbey and I had, I was like, I watched uh, Legion while I was sick as well. So I was just kind of like burning through as many shows as I could find. Um, but then I watched that and I was like, oh man, this is a show she's going to watch. So I was like, all right, before I watch any more, I told her like, you got to watch this. And she liked it, but she didn't, I'll have to point it out. I was like, yeah, tell her that's the, that's the guy from Downton Abbey who, who dies suddenly. Okay. And She'll she, know who I'm talking about. Okay. I won't, but, but, but 
that'll be a good good thing for me to to do. Okay. Uh, one final question before we wrap this sucker up. Um, if there was an X-Men TV show, what do you think it would be about? Or do you think they're just going to keep drawing on this, uh, kind of fringe characters? Uh, the things that I've heard from it is that, um, Brian Singer is involved, which boo. (laughs) He's an executive producer for Legion. I mean, that doesn't really mean much. Just means his name's on the title or in the credits. Supposedly he's going to direct the first episode. Um, again, this is all rumor. Um, the stuff that I've heard doesn't sound like the X-Men. So maybe that could be a good thing. It could be a bad thing. Um, it seems like they're leaning away from doing what they did already in the, in the cinemas. So I, I don't know. Okay. Well, it doesn't sound promising. Nothing I've heard is like, Oh, that sounds awesome. It's all like, really? Okay, I'll give it a shot. <laughs> All right, and as that stuff breaks or comes out, we'll watch it and we'll let you know what we think. Yeah, you betcha. So, uh, until next time, my name is Jeremy. My name is Adam. And the Danger Room is closed. Closed.